Happy Sabbath. We're doing a series in the book of Mark, and in chapter 2, we see a series of conflicts uh, between Jesus and the Pharisees. In chapter 2, verse 1, is the story of the paralytic, and Jesus says to him, son, your son, your sins are forgiven, and the Pharisees say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And then in chapter 2, verse 13, a Levi has a party, and now the Pharisees ask, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? In chapter 2, verse 18, it's like, why don't your disciples fast like we do? And Jesus tells them about new wineskins, and that they have to be new wineskins if they're going to receive new teaching. And then in chapter 2, verse 23, this brings us to today's passage, Jesus and the Pharisees will clash over the Sabbath. But really, it is a clash between uh, legalism and those who have turned a relationship with God into a religion of rules. I once invited a young woman um, who had wandered away from the faith back to church and back to the Lord. And her answer to me is, no, I don't want to go back to following all the rules. Is that what Christianity is? Following the rules? Now, I will say no. And Jesus will confront those who put rules over following God. But is there not also the law? Isn't there good and right and wrong? So how do we live? so that we are not legalist and yet are doing God's will. So our passage will comment on that. It will also teach us something about the Sabbath. And so I'm going to read it and then keep your Bibles open because I will be going back through that passage verse by verse. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, what are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. 
He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So now let's go back to 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. Now, I've actually done this because I live by a wheat field here in Kansas. I remembered this verse, and I thought, oh, I wonder what that's like. And so I took some ripe heads of grain, and I rolled it in my hands, and sure enough, you can rub off the chaff, and there's the germ or the kernel of wheat. This is what the disciples are doing, but they were doing it on the Sabbath day, which the Pharisees thought they're harvesting on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is one day set aside out of seven. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you do all your labor, but the seventh day is a day holy to the Lord, and on that day you will rest. And so the Sabbath was given to Israel and all of humankind as a gift. The Israels were slaves in Egypt. They worked every day, and there's some places in the world where you work every day, but the Sabbath is given as a gift to renew us physically, psychologically, spiritually. Physically, we rest because if we don't, our bodies break down. And psychologically, we need a break from the daily grind and pressures of work and from the noise that bombards us. And spiritually, we renew our souls and focus on the Lord. Even walking into the sanctuary is a type of Sabbath. Because out there in the world, you're bombarded by the world. You're beat up by the world. But here in this space, where the architecture and the windows and the music evoke the presence of God, This is a place to rest and renew your souls. I also commend those who fall asleep during the sermon. You're actually resting during the Sabbath. (laughs) I think one of the reasons why this generation is so stressed and anxious and depressed is because we don't take Sabbath. Your boss can call you on your cell phone seven days a week. Your friends can disrupt your sleep by texting you at all hours of the night. Blue light, media noise, visual stimulation, constant chatter are affecting our brains. We need Sabbath. And since Sabbath is a gift, I think we need to think about how we can intentionally make it a delight. So talk to your family. Talk about what day will be our Sabbath and make that a delight. Renew yourself physically, spiritually, psychologically. So Jesus and the disciples were walking along a road on the Sabbath. They were taking heads of grain and rubbing it for something to eat. And this was actually allowed by the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, it says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, 
You may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. So you could do that. You just couldn't harvest his crops because those were his. And the Pharisees saw this, and they said in verse 24, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, the, the Pharisees took the Sabbath law to make it holy, to make it a day of rest, but then they created all these other rules around it. So, for example, you could not harvest, you could not, if you're a doctor, see patients on the Sabbath. Um, you could not walk more than 1.5 miles. And their rules had a good motive. They wanted to keep the Sabbath They knew that they had been sent into exile. One of the reasons God said is, you did not honor my Sabbath. And so they're thinking, all right, how are we going to honor this day? And so they created rules around it. And they defined what was labor, and you just could not do it. But here's what happened over a period of time. Their religion became one of rule-keeping, where following the rules the letter of the law became what was most important. So Jesus has an answer for them. He says in verse 25 through 26, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus is referring to a a story in 1 Samuel. And in that story, uh, David is fleeing from Saul. David is already the anointed one as king, but Saul wants to kill him because of that. He comes to the place where the tabernacle is, and he says to the priest, is there anything for us to eat? Because they're starving. And the priest says, all we have are the bread of the presence, which has just been removed and replaced with freshly baked bread. So here was the law. Every Sabbath, an offering was made to the Lord of seven, I mean, of 12 loaves of bread. They were freshly baked and put on a table in the Holy of Holies, and then they took the old bread off, and that was for the priest to eat. That was the law. It was part of the ceremonial law, which covered areas of worship, and atonement, and taking care of the priests. Technically, the priest violated the law because the law said that bread is for the priest to eat. But the priest kept the spirit of the law. Worship wasn't interfered with because new bread was there. It had nothing to do with atonement, And the priest was just taking his portion, which the law said he could have, and he was sharing it with starving men. Jesus is saying, yes, the priest broke the letter of the law, but he kept the spirit of the law, especially since he helped God's anointed and his companions. And now Jesus is saying, God's anointed is here. It is lawful for he and his companions to feed their hunger on the Sabbath.
And then Jesus comments on the purpose of the Sabbath. Verse 27. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was made for man, meaning the Lord gave the Sabbath as a gift to humankind for their rest and for their renewal. It's commanded, yes, but God commands it because he knows our nature. He knows that we'd work ourselves to ruin and we could ruin our health or our relationships or our mental health or our souls. And so he commands us what is good. We think we can rest when the work is done. But the work is never done. And so we need to rest. And so God commands what is for our good. However, the Sabbath was not meant to make us a slave to rules. Let's say that someone gave me a gift of a gym membership because they loved me and cared about my health and they encouraged me to use it. And so I join a gym and I work out at the gym and I'm getting healthier and that's good. The person who loves me is glad that it's benefiting me. But let's suppose I use my gift, I take it to a gym, and I sign up with a fitness coach who says, all right, you're going to work out with me two hours a day, six days a week. And you got to really watch your diet, so I want you to write down everything you eat, and then every day we're going to go over that, and if you don't stay to the diet, I'm going to get on your case. Well, after a short while of time, um, this thing that's supposed to be for my good, it's, it's running my life. I've become a slave to it. And now Jesus says to the Pharisees, this is what you've made of the Sabbath. It was given as a gift to you. But now you're making people into slaves by making them obey these tedious Sabbath rules. And then Jesus tells them why he has the right to comment on the Sabbath. He says, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now imagine what those guys are hearing, the Pharisees. The Son of Man is the Lord? And that you're the Lord of the Sabbath? They're thinking he's out of his mind. But Jesus is telling them, I am the one who gave you the Sabbath. I have the right to interpret it and to tell you what I intended by it. And so that brings us to chapter 3. It's another Sabbath day, and Jesus is worshiping in the synagogue. We read in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So they're watching Jesus, looking for a reason to accuse him. Just watching for a slip-up, so they can get him. See how evil that is? scrutinizing people just to 
see if there's something you can get them on. They also see the man with a shriveled hand there. And they think, huh, Jesus heals people all the time. Let's see if he's going to heal that guy on the Sabbath. Then we'll get him for being a Sabbath breaker. Because you see, physicians could not see their patients on the Sabbath. But Jesus knows what they're thinking, and now he's going to do something provocative. In verse 3, he says to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, what is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And they're silent. They're in a quandary because they know the law. And they know that if your donkey falls into a hole on the Sabbath, you can get him out. If a man is seriously injured on the Sabbath and there's a threat he might die, you can tend to him. If your wife goes into labor on the Sabbath, well, call the midwife and deliver the baby, even if it's the Sabbath. What Jesus was saying to them is that it is good to do good on the Sabbath. So Jesus had compassion on the man, but at the same time, he's angry. Verse 5, he looked at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And now the Pharisees are livid. Jesus has broken the law. But we would say the Pharisees are being legalists. So what's the line between people who follow God's law and being legalists? After all, there is such a thing as law. There is such a thing of doing God's will. Suppose you had two children and they shared a room. You have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. The five-year-old has a habit of getting out of his bed at night and saying, I need a drink of water, I need to go to the bathroom, I need a hallway light on, and they're just always getting out of bed, and, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, this is an excuse. And so you say to the child, here's the rule. You can't get out of bed after I put you into bed, and if you break the rule tomorrow, you won't be able to watch TV and you won't be able to play with your toys. The next morning, you go into the two boys' room and you see that the younger child has vomited all over himself, his bed, and the floor. And you say, when did this happen? And the five-year-old said, it happened last night. And the mom says, why didn't you tell me? He says, there was a rule. I couldn't get out of bed. What the little guy has no idea of is context. And the truth that the spirit behind the law trumps the letter of the law. 
And if that parent had punished the kid, if he had gotten out of his bed to tell his parents, little brother vomited, they would be ignoring context and would have followed the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law. Or suppose uh, your wife is in labor and you are racing down the road 10 miles over the speed limit and you are pulled over by a wonderful police officer from Andover because they pull you over for going one mile over the speed limit. (laughs) And you say to the officer, my wife is in labor, her water is broke, the baby's crowning, I need to get her to the hospital. And the officer says, nope, the law is the law, I'm writing you up. That's ignoring context. It's not paying attention to the spirit of the law. So now let me tell you what the spirit of the law is. All of the law flows out of the character of God. He is truthful, compassionate, merciful, faithful. And so we are truthful, compassionate, merciful, faithful. This is the foundation of the law, and the great foundation of all the law is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the spirit behind the law. Rules are not arbitrary. Rules follow the spirit and the intent of the law. And if we use the letter of the law, to violate the spirit of the law, then we are being legalists. Now, in the case of the traffic officer, traffic laws are good. There's a reason why they're there. It helps promote public safety, and we are not to be deliberate lawbreakers. But... Is there a spirit of the law to consider in all that? Now, Jesus cared about the man with the withered arm. He felt compassion for him, and the compassion of Jesus moves him to heal people. And the spirit of the law said he could love the man, and he could do good even if it was the Sabbath. But verse 5 also tells us that along with compassion, Jesus was angry. That word there is wrath, the same kind of word that's used for wrath at the judgment. It says that Jesus was deeply distressed. That word in Greek is grieved. What do we grieve over? We grieve over those things that have been taken from us and have been destroyed. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and what they had done with their faith in Yahweh, and he was grieved. Basically, he was saying, you've taken my law that is meant for your good. You've used it to make slaves out of people. And so he was grieved by their stubborn and callous hearts. Now, of course, the Pharisees were angry also. Jesus insulted them. He showed them their hearts. They didn't like being called out. Jesus was undermining their religion. And they thought, we know our religion. It's right. It's, it's the way it's supposed to be done. 
But here was the problem. God thought differently than they did. People never become so callous or stubborn or rigid that Jesus cannot comment to you about your life, even if it concerns your religion. And so now the Pharisees, in anger, join forces with their enemies because they share in common their hatred for Jesus. Verse 6, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So the Pharisees um, were very observant of the law and the rules. They also wanted a theocracy. Independence from Rome led by a religious council, kind of like the country of Iran today is led by mullahs and ayatollahs. This is what the Pharisees wanted. You can even think of them as like the Orthodox Jews in Israel today. They are very observant of their traditions, and they also want a theocracy. And then there are the Herodians. They are wanting independence from Rome, but they want Herod to be their king. They are Jewish, but they speak Greek, and, well, they're just not as kosher as the Pharisees are. One is more of a religious movement. The other is more a political movement. And Jesus ticks them both off because he undermines their religion and he doesn't support their politics. We have to allow Jesus challenge our religion and our politics. Not to challenge God's word, not to challenge the gospel, but to challenge how we relate to people and how we relate to him. The loving Lord gave us the law. The loving God gave us the Sabbath good gifts that reflected his love and his goodness. But if we forget about love and goodness, then our religion and rules can turn us into Pharisees. May God keep us from being so. Let us pray. Father, you are good, you're merciful, you're kind, and from your character flows the law. And so, Lord, by your Spirit, remind us to be loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving. Give us eyes to see who needs our compassion. 
And Lord, give us wisdom because every day we struggle with, you know, what's the right thing to do? You've given us your law. And your law is good. And behind the law is love. In the moment of decision, uh, give us the wisdom we need. Lord, I pray for those who uh, need your healing. You have compassion. You are willing to heal. Pray that those who need ailments addressed by you, healed by you, Lord, we bring them before you. We pray, Lord, that you would restore whom we have brought to you. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.